This is I'm a PK. So what? Podcast brought to you by the PK Nation. Listen to real life stories and get tips to thrive as a PK. So yes, your host, the first lady, Ruth Zubairu. I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. I'm a PK. Welcome back to I'm a PK, so what? And today with me is my big sis, <laughs> my adopted big sis, and so she is Mrs. Gail Nena Kuka, the first daughter of Beverly Mopai, and she's here to tell us her own story about how it was growing up as a daughter of the Beverly. So <laughs> over to you. <laughs> <laughs> so please feel free to give a round of applause. If you're here, you haven't shared this, please click share, share so that other people, other PKs can also come and watch. And if you know you haven't met her, I bring her to you. So welcome, Gil. All right, thanks, Ruth. Um, this has been a long time trying to have it work. Yes. I was on a retreat, came back, one thing or the other. So. Thank you for your patience, your long patience. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's interesting. I think I grew up um, regular home. Just that I realized at a point that I was very different. A lot of people expected uh, so much from us, and being the first daughter. It wasn't so easy. Well, always in the limelight. So, my dad, my dad, doesn't have a church per se, but he has a ministry. He has a fellowship that meets every Wednesday, and they have crowds of about uh, two thousand. Sometimes they can get up to five thousand. Because I remember when he really started small, people used to come sit around in the parlor and from there it just increased so it was um, an interesting experience what every other person was doing i think i realized that maybe at the age of five uh, when i had to attend service on a wednesday you know see throughout you couldn't go and sleep you couldn't uh, dodge um, at that young age even if you see the organ wake you up to come and sit when I realized that there was something different about my home. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, how, how many children are you? Like siblings? So okay, so we are six. Um, two girls, uh, four boys, biological, and then my parents have an adopted uh, daughter who is um, six years old now. Uh, but also, my parents lost two children in 1985, September. Um, they lost two children then. So maybe we would have been eight uh, or so. But God had told my dad that he would have six children. So we are six, two girls and four boys. Okay. Great. So 
growing up okay you didn't have regular church members but you had people who were always there you knew people were members of the ministry that were committed yeah and so yeah and um, how did you have people who would always report you to your parents or you know those people that would always I, I, I call it in a in a very interesting way we actually had um I can remember one experience stands out for me very clearly so we had this elder in the fellowship my dad had elders he didn't have pastors then. Okay. Although now we have people that uh, have been um, ordained as pastors, but then he had elders. And uh, one day he had a crusade in uh, Oron. Oron is in, a, is in a town not far from Uyo. My, my dad's ministry is based in Uyo, in Akwaiko State. So he had a, a program in Oron. And you know, usually when he does that, some of the elders would you know that's escorting to attend the crusade. So he returned about 12 midnight, you know and he was so upset angry always sleeping that's about okay i was in i think i was about to enter uni university my, my brother was already in university then so he was so angry came was upset to go and wake my brother up of course in that whole noise i also woke up you know so he my brother got up from bed you know sleepy i wondered what was happening so it was midnight Went to my dad's room. My, my dad said, I heard you have been driving my cars, my car then, my car around. So my brother was wondering, is that news kind of? So he said, Can you imagine? I didn't give you permission to drive my car. And uh, so my mom asked him, Who told you this? So he mentioned that elder's name. And Funny thing was that this same elder, he's he had he had them um, six boys and a girl. He has six boys, and his sons were also driving his car behind him, and he didn't he didn't he didn't know. But the thing, the interesting twist, the story was that my mom, mm-hmm. when she saw that my brother was you no know, wanted to learn driving, she didn't want him to learn like you know learn behind her back and something would happen so she, she was she, my mom was actually the one that started to teach my brother how to drive because she felt let him learn the proper way so that even when he takes the car out he wouldn't uh, you know have an accident or injure someone so my dad brought out the belt was going to last you know last out of my brother my mom was so angry mom said the same person that told you that your son is driving his own children are driving his car behind his back and he doesn't even know it and they drive that car to the house okay your son drives the car but i am the one who is trying to teach who was trying to teach him how to drive and i it's not as if we're taking the cars behind you know your uh, without our knowledge without, without my knowledge so i don't see why you should uh, beat him so, so in that my mom held the belt you know ah my dad was upset so my mom saved my brother from being you know from being smoked you know so had uh, also had one of the members in the church to tell my dad that 
she saw my sister and uh, a boy in some dark places. <laughs> and I wonder where was this? Where did you see her? Where did you see this happen? Hmm. Yes, because my father was my sister. I don't know. My father is my dad, and my dad was upset. He was spoiling my name. So we had uh, such, you know, such people like you said over some who were looking for opportunity to, you know, say one or two, but I was a good child, actually, I didn't, I, I, I was very, I was an, I was an introvert growing up, so they never could really say what I was doing wrong or not, because I wasn't doing the outside, but I was doing wrong for people that saw me in various places. So you didn't have, you didn't have issues Okay, so um, so um, between your no. between dad and mom, it means if dad dies more of discipline. Uh, uh, no. Yes, my 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 dad was. Okay. Still very strict, very strict. You dare not, you dare not stay girl. He cannot find. My my brothers in the girls' room. It was clear cut. If you were a girl, stay in your room. If you were a boy, stay in your, your room. You only met the when we eating or doing prayers. It was really, really, really very strict. But my mom was strict. She was firm, but she was more. Of a, a fun mom, she would want to know all your friends. She wants to know who your um to be more balanced so we had friends who you know liked my mom they would talk about my mom they knew my mom and <laughs> um, tell you don't come to their house okay that is around don't need it. that kind of thing my mom was she was firm as in there were things that she would not uh, take so for example if you steal if you lie if you stay out late because she won't be happy with you if you wear short things or you know people, she she was firm but she wasn't overly strict because out of the two of them she was a more fun person amazing ah, you had fun then <laughs> you know what's up <laughs> <laughs> okay yes yeah, so okay how did how did you handle um how did you handle boys growing up with um relationship with the opposite sex and then daddy being daddy's daughter um he allowed to go out boys come around visit or um, yeah what was the atmosphere <laughs> okay um so okay i i think what really helped me was that i was an introvert i was really yeah, an introvert growing up so i wasn't interested i was all, i always had my nose in, in a book reading um so that made me um not too keen on having a boyfriend and I, another thing growing up most of the boys that were my big okay so um i'm number two in the house among the children so the, so the first is a, a boy and he had friends lots of friends so they would always weekends when my friends were around, they would all trip to the house with him. And of course, ah, this is this person's younger sister. Okay. 
hello, hi. Because I got matured very early as a girl. And most of those guys, they couldn't deal on my level mentally. Let me put it that way. So, mm. what I'm thinking about my books, school, what I'm going to do in life, these are guys talking about sex. And I was, and I'm wondering in my mind, is that all you can do? So, I couldn't deal with them at that level at all. It used to put me off a lot because when you come to I'm asking so. What are you doing in school? What do you want, which books have you read? What music have you listened to lately? I'm talking about, oh, I love you, you're a very sweet girl. I and I know where it is all heading to. So already I'm turned off. So I wasn't really interested in boyfriend, girlfriend. I had very close friends who were boys, yes, maybe my class. Because I actually went to a mixed school. I went to a, a boys and girls school. So I had classmates who I got very close to who were not girls, who were boys. But because they were quite intelligent and could talk on a deeper level about God, about our life, what we had to do. So when I saw a boy that was at all his mind and focused on how to make me his girlfriend, how maybe to have sex with me, I used to get very turned off as I wasn't interested in being their friend. And then I always ask you, what do you want to offer to me? Most times we're talking about money, and I always had enough fucking money growing up. So money was couldn't be the you know attraction. Attraction. Uh, then if it's sex, yes. So if it's sex, I'm not interested. You know, as a Christian, I actually gave my life to Christ at the age of nine, nine years. So I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong. So when you're talking about sex, I'm not interested. So once you rule out money and sex and the boys can't talk about any other thing else i just wasn't interested so growing up i had a lot of boys coming a couple of my senior brother that would come around the house and um i used to take pride that no boy could Ruth i'm a pk so what i'm a pk so what i'm a pk i'm a pk would say this uh, this person was my girlfriend, you know, because boys talk at that age, they talk mm. a lot. They say, Ah, Reverend Omar's daughter is my chick. Mm. So I take by the fact that no boy in New York could say that. So I, for me, that was a high standard, and I kept it throughout my, you know, my young age. Mm. I'll be so happy that none of them, if you come, I will look at you and I'm like, What can you offer to me? They'll say, Okay, call, let me take you out. They take me out the way. My house was perfectly enough for me. What? Because they can't reason at my level. The next thing I talk about is sex. I'm not interested in sex. So, very few boys at that age could like just talk at my level. I'm talking about which books I'm reading, uh, how I prayed and God answered my prayer, and they are blank. So maybe because of the way I am, you know, I was an introvert, yeah, then, so then, I didn't. Then your your um your experience with books because I think there's a way books um yes. your mind and broadens your um horizon your your perspective. So you're not thinking like every yeah. other person. You're seeing life, you know, bigger than a regular person will see. Mm-hmm. That really played a big part. Amazing. So, now, yeah, it lasts. How did you? Feel? Sorry. Okay, yeah, you were saying something. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I was saying that 
my I I read my first best um my first bestseller at the age of nine. What? Yeah. Yeah. One fat book like that my, that my that my mom had. You know, we talked about books. So a fat book yeah. my mom had, I read it at the age of nine. That was my first bestseller. And I yeah, books were my books that friends. connected me with you. <laughs> it was books that made me laugh. I like her. She likes books like me. I, you know, I always I loved reading. I I loved reading from a very young age. The way we, we sorry to um still still the show now. When we're going okay. on, we didn't have um tv like when we were really small my father ensured that whenever we have tv so it was books we had a parlor was like two you know how a parlor has four walls two walls was bookshelf so so we had books (laughs) and i just felt okay if i can't read all of them out i looked for the biographies i look for those that had stories and before you know find me i'll just be reading 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 and you know putting my notes and so it was when i got to meet you much later is that exchanging yeah. exchanging novels mm. and all that yeah thank you do i see yeah. how your novels i don't think so <laughs> please check your house <laughs> i'll check okay so how did you feel having to share your parents like um you know everybody has their parents you come to church everybody goes home with their parents but your parents will mm. stay back counseling um, people live in your house. I know that when I was talking about in my house, we helped to twenty something. I'm sure there will be more in your house at some point. So people are there. It's dinner time, and you're cooking like you're cooking for crusade or you're cooking for something like you're cooking big pots and all that. So how did you feel living in that community of every other person in your family? Okay, so um, one thing that my dad tried to do uh, which made us realize how special we were was anytime we were on holiday on hall from school uh, and he had a, a meeting that was a driving distance we would definitely have to go with him so it, it was fun it was really fun for us having to travel from Uyo down to PH stay in a hotel even though then he didn't have money, a lot of money. Uh, so back then, when we were traveling like that with him, my mom would buy bread, would buy provisions, make sure that so at least for you guys. stress the church where coming to. Yeah, so we sure that we had our own food and all that. Um, it was um, my my parents always made out time, always made out time for us. Uh, so we understood that when they were in, in church or when they were having a program, yes, but when he's back, um, he always made out time um, to do it. And then my mom too was usually there most of the time. So it was okay. It wasn't uh, too bad. Even though we had a lot of people living in our house, sometimes we are like 28, 30, you're sharing your bed with everybody. Uh, or your room with everybody. We had aunties, uncles who were living with us. My, 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 my parents always made us know that that was our house. I remember when my mom went to have uh, my last brother in the US. I was just 16. I had aunties that were <laughs> almost two times my age living in, my, in our house. 
I had my dad's brothers were there, and my dad called me for the, the day before she traveled. My dad called me and said, "You're my first daughter." So even though your mom is going to be away for about three months, you are in charge of the home. I'm looking at him, I wonder if he's mad because I had Antizue final year university. I was just 16, fresh out of out of secondary school. He said, "Look, you're the one running my house, not any of your aunties or house help." So I think my dad made us know that even though we had a crowd around us. It was still our home, they were still our parents and they were always there for us. I think that really helped us. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, um, in all, everybody can understand. When people are made to understand that, okay, look, you have your place and all that, there's still mm. that sense of, okay, yeah, I belong somewhere. Because at the end of it, some people just feel like, okay, if I don't, I don't belong here, I don't feel like this is mine, then they go and look for where they would belong and so it pushes many many people into you know the wrong the wrong kind of um friends friendship and relationships so um what was it like having friends or um people who wanted to be friends with you either because you were um, Omar's daughter or because they wanted to get close to you i mean of you know being the spotlight also with you and how yeah. they handle people you wanting to be around you because you were almost okay um i think my uh, my um that introvert nature really helped i have a i have a very very sensitive heart very sensitive so i pick my friends very carefully i I, you know, I could maybe like if I um, spend time with you or talk with you, I could sense it so fast. I could sense when somebody was trying to be my friend because of my dad or my background or where I was coming from. Once I noticed it, I shut down the friendship. I, I wasn't interested. I would just shut it down immediately. I didn't, if you like, come to my house two million times. <laughs> I wouldn't say that you're my friend. So um, maybe because of the way I was and as an introvert, I'm very, very sensitive. So I could pick, I could actually discern who was my friend for me, for who I was, and who was my friend for the sake of, or who wanted to be my friend for the sake of saying I'm Omar's, uh, Omar's daughter's friend. And it's funny. I've had people talk to my father and tell him, the daughter is my friend. And my father told me, I saw one of your friends today. And I was asking the person, I said, and the person is not my friend. He's not my friend. It's like the person says, maybe just a casual acquaintance that I met in school or somewhere. Exactly. So I have people claiming, yes, I have good friends. I can only have some very good, close friends, but they are few. They are very few. They are very few. I, I was so sensitive that I didn't bother. I, I wasn't that and my brothers. <laughs> my sister had nine friends, nine for university days. Wow. I don't know how she did it. Anyway, actually only her friends. But I, I guess I was just different. I, I wasn't too keen on it. So once you say one or two things, I can I can I can just pick person who has an ulterior motive in coming close to me. I shut you off. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, so um, how did you now um, handle relationship? Like um, dating and relationship with um, your dad? And how did you eventually get married to your I know the story is sharp. Okay, so this is interesting because I shared a bit of it in church today. I taught our um, that women's group today in church, and it was quite interesting. So when I got to my third year in school, I had I can tell you I had tutors left, right, center. They came. Oh God! My third year in school. There were so many of them, I'm telling you. And there were some that had dreams and visions of how God spoke to them. They had the dream, they saw me walking along the aisle with them to church. Um, a few of them told some big men of God, come and talk to me. Yeah, yes, this was in my third year. And it, it looked, over, not looked, it was overwhelming. Imagine a young girl who is maybe early 20s, maybe 21, 22, and I'm having like 10 guys, <laughs> like three pastors who are seeing dreams and visions around <laughs> <laughs> me as their, as their wife. And this is where it's very, very, once you like to say that it's very, very, this is like to say that it's very, very key. Everybody should have a personal work with God. You can't rely on my father is a pastor, my mother is a pastor. No, you need to have a personal relationship with God because if you don't have one, anybody can sway you. True. Like I told our, I told our our, our ladies in church, God has no, God doesn't have a grandchild. The same way your father is is God's is God's child. You two are God's child. So what I did was I took about um, about three days. I went on a fast. So I now made out a list, you know, I used I was very practical. Every boy, every man who had ever said, hello, hi, fine girl, I like you, you are very pretty. I wrote down their names on that list, about 20, 20, 23 names, you know, just give and take. And I spent the first three, uh, two days praying and saying, God, out of all these people on this list, who is the right one? And on the third day, God told me, very clear, nobody there on that list is your husband. Hey. Even those I was angry, I was angry, you know what kind of corner exactly. eye. So you like this guy. <laughs> you know, you're praying and hope that you see that God will God will God will point to that one. <laughs> and I had then I hadn't even met I hadn't even met my husband. So God told me one of them was the right person. And once God said that anybody that was having vision and dream sorry i told them no because i heard from god i was very clear on on, on he was very clear on what he said and i followed through so i told them no that, um i didn't hear from god god is an author you know of confusion so he kept talking to a lot of talking to me at the same time so i told them no and um uh, what there was something very funny in my year two we're having prayer as at home 
and my mom had said many of us ask God for things and we don't even tell God what exactly we want so you're saying God God I want a car what kind of car do you want is it a green car a blue car red car you know so she now said I was in year two then she said that um there might be some of us doing prayers there. You know, I remember that we had people living with us. So there were some older ladies who were living with us. That they might be praying and asking God for his spouse. And they didn't know what they want. So she now asked us to go and write down what we wanted um, in our spouses. So I wrote down, I wrote it down in one of my notebooks and just dumped it somewhere. So when uh, <laughs> when my when my husband came. I I wasn't so keen on marriage at that time because I was doing my youth service. I wanted to finish service, fly out to the States, go and do a master's, after master's, do a PhD. I had this blueprint for my life, basically, what I wanted to do. And so when he came, I wasn't, I was telling him, I have plenty plans, wait first. I just said, okay, just pray about it first. So I started praying, and the church I I was going to do my youth service, they had a fast, a three days, a three days dry fast. So I started praying about it, and you know that notebook I wrote in what I wanted in my spouse. I had done in fact I took it with me to use it, but I didn't even I just took it along. I didn't even remember that I wrote something inside it. When I started praying, God told me go back to that notebook and check, and I had written down something. Three things I can't forget. Three things, different things. He should be dark. He should have a sense of humor. He should be a Christian, a deep Christian that knows God, loves God, know as his own. Someone that loves me for who I am. Not I. I wrote down so many things, but three of them. And God told me go and check. I went. I picked up the list. I started ticking. Out of the three things, he had eighteen. And God told me I should have done five. I'm not even there, but you know they are. They are five. They're not there. Maybe maybe you're not seeing them right now. Right and then when I prayed, to, yeah, God now gave me the peace that He was the right person. But the amazing thing, one of all, not all, but one of the amazing things for me that shows me that God always plans. Thank you for listening to I'm a PK. So what with Ruth Zupairo? We are royal. We are rare. We are ready. I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. So what? I'm a PK. I'm a PK.